the Swim Coach in Transit podcast. I am your host, Lucas Ferreira. In this episode, I sat down with Kelsey Reagan, who's an assistant coach for the University of Edinburgh in Pennsylvania, a D2 men and women program in Edinburgh, Pennsylvania. While this interview was recorded in the fall, I am editing it and recording this intro in early March, and they have two swimmers heading to women's NCAA D2 national champs in Ohio in a couple weeks. Prior to coaching in college, Kelsey has coached both high school and a USA swimming club, and that last one is how we met. We cover it in a little bit more detail during the interview, but we actually worked side by side for a couple years. From the moment she set foot on deck with us, it was clear Kelsey was a knowledgeable and passionate coach, and she's another young coach I am happy to have on the podcast. So, here's another episode of the Swim Coach in Transit podcast with Kelsey Reagan. All right, so Kelsey, thank you so much for having me and for taking the time. You are so welcome, Lucas. Wouldn't want it any other way. I am... Uh, starting to be wary of uh, thanking everybody for their hospitality. I wonder if uh, other people are going to start knocking on their doors and, and asking to, to go around and <laughs> have a great time. But I've been having a great time up here. In, uh, I mean, if anyone comes comes up to the snowbelt, they're more than welcome <laughs> to come hang out with me. So I'd right. love to have everyone. There you have it. Actually had some great weather and you did some cool stuff. It's been really fun and really fun watching the team as well. So let's go ahead and, and get started. Uh, first thing, if you want to... This can be as succinct or as detailed as you want to make it, so it's really up to you, but just go ahead and kind of talk about your path to the present swim coaching position, so your path as a swimmer and into coaching and, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I feel as though I kind of have a non-traditional path. I swam in high school, wasn't the greatest swimmer, but decided not to swim in college and kind of thought I was done when I entered college. Um, ended up kind of falling back into coaching. Uh, I went to the university in my hometown and my high school practiced at the pool that was there. And my the head coach was going through some personal issues and you know couldn't always make practice. So she would call me and just say, hey, can you come over and run practice? And I kind of just fell in love with it. Um, and I, so much so that I actually asked to volunteer the next year just so I could stick around the team. And something happened with her where she wasn't able to come back, so I actually got the position and ran the John McLean High School team for two years where the other coach on deck with me was a diving coach. So it was kind of... <laughs> you, were, you were the swim coach. I was the swim coach. I kind of got thrown into it, not not knowing a whole lot either, just kind of whatever my background was, um, trying to learn. And from there, I got my degree in health and physical education kind of decided that I wanted to try the swim coaching thing, knew that I probably didn't have a straight avenue into college coaching, which is something I was very interested in. So I decided to try club team, kind of gave myself a year. Like if I liked it, I'll stick with it. If not, I'll come back and I'll get a teaching job. Um, was lucky enough to actually get a position with your club, Gwinnett Aquatics. <laughs> um, funny enough, that's how we know each other. And was down in Georgia for two years, coaching the senior three, our 10 and unders, and helping out with the 11 through 14 year olds. So a lot of deck time, a lot of learning just by just by being there. So. Learn by doing down there, Exactly. Yes. And then after two years, I, again, the whole college thing never left my, my mind. Just, you know, wanted to try it, see if it was something I'd like. Um, was able to get a graduate position position up at Edinburgh University um, with 
the coach there, head coach Chris Rhodes, and I've, this is my second year doing that, and just have absolutely fallen in love with the college scene and everything that comes along with it. So, hoping to continue that as I move forward. Um, I guess the the interesting part, like like you said, you you actually decided not to swim in college, and now you are selling swimming in college to high school kids. Is there anything on that on your personal experience that kind of you relate to? selling that, that portion to the kids t- in terms of telling them why why they should swim in college? Yeah, so um, even though I didn't swim in college, you know, I had, I was coaching, so I was still on deck for multiple hours a day and, you know, writing stuff, so learning time management from that. When I was in swim season, my grades are actually better than I, when I was not, and I feel like that's something that translates to even when they're swimming, they have to manage their time better, so I'm able to relate in that sense. I'm very honest. I'm very upfront. Like, I didn't swim in college, but I've been around it. And it's not, you know, I watched, I was on deck a whole lot when the college was swimming. So I don't think it's hindered me in any way. Either, if anything, it's given me a different perspective where it's like, if they're not fully into it, they shouldn't do it in college because it is such a huge commitment and something that's so big that if they're not all in, it's going to be very hard for them to continue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't mean any hinder. I think a lot of times going through a different experience and then seeing the other side, it's you just, can it's actually a different sell, path. Yeah. yeah. Um, who have been your mentors along the way? He's smiling right now because he knows I'm going to say him. Uh, yeah, so as I spoke before, when I was coaching high school in Pennsylvania, it was there was no mentors. It was very much me learning, trying different things, and failing over and over again. Those poor high school kids. If I came back now, <laughs> and we were still pretty successful. We, I still you know, qualified several individuals for state, which we hadn't done in four or five years, so wasn't terrible, but I knew that I wasn't doing everything right. So going down to Georgia with you and uh, Hugh Convery was very, very much eye-opening. Uh, you took me under your wing, really pressed me sometimes, challenged me <laughs> to be better. Very thankful for that. And then, you know, I have a couple friends in coaching as well that I speak to regularly. was able to go to a conference in Colorado, a women's only conference. So that was a very cool experience to kind of meet people that are in the same scenario that I am being a woman in coaching because it's it is different. Um, So able to keep in contact with them and then coming back up here, Chris has been very good to me and he has a couple a couple former summers of his that are also coaching up here that I talk to regularly as well. So Um, so there's going to be parts of this conversation that might uh, might sound like I'm just like striking my own (laughs) ego. It's more therapy, and also uh, sometimes I think some things that I might have done right on accident. So trying to figure out what those are so that I, I do them right again. So it's not it's not really just uh, on the ego side. If, if I start asking more about things that maybe I did right and I didn't know, one of the things that I remember having conversations with you uh, back when you were on deck with us, and besides having that direct mentorship, we were always kind of like looking for uh, people that we don't necessarily directly know, but we're also kind of fulfilling that role of mentors. It's funny how you can actually look for that information and, and it's not quite the same as having a direct relationship and, and asking, being able to ask questions to somebody you know, but I remember there were other coaches that you really admire and kind of learn from, even from a distance. I don't know if there's any names that... Uh, yeah, so uh, like being on deck in Georgia, I mean, it's a it's a huge spot for swimming. So, you know, being able to see Michael Lawrence is down down the pool coaching you know, it was pretty cool. And then Beth at Dynamo, who has just been wildly successful, even though I didn't have many conversations with her, just the little 
interactions with her, just seeing how she interacts with her swimmers. And, you know, she is, she's in charge of that, um, which she's in charge of the whole. Well, I think that there's been some transitions at Dynamo. So that's Beth Winkowski from, yeah. from Dynamo Swim Club, in case people are wondering. I think as Since we're there, there some transitions yeah. and, and here and there. And so, I, I believe she's an associate head coach. Yeah. That's, so yeah. being in charge of, you know, a large portion of a hugely successful club um, was something that I admire. Those are kind of the couple that come to the forefront. And, you know, just seeing some of, you know, the other clubs down there, the successful coaches, them interacting. Um, it's just, it's fun to be down there and like watch other people, not necessarily, like you said, not directly interact with them, but kind of like rub, rub shoulders going, having meets at the university of Georgia and, you know, having a conversation with Harvey or watching, uh, Stephanie, you know, work as well has been, it's been cool. Right. And were there any other tools you, you use or, or have used to kind of learn more? You kind of mentioned you were thrown into the deep end, uh, not a lot of uh, overview right away, and then finally got some, some mentorship and some partnership. But uh, where, where would you go for, for that information? Uh, being as young as I am, YouTube was a big thing. I know I'm sure a lot of coaches have watched the, the flow swimming videos. <laughs> the old flow swimming the old, videos. The yeah. old flow swimming videos. Um, and watching, you know, those teams have the swimmers with the capability to really throw down some impressive workouts in, you know, the middle of uh, a season were pretty cool. Like I said, now I kind of, you know, I follow a couple coaches on Twitter. Kind of cool. They post their workouts sometimes and their results. Um, listening to podcasts, Chris Ritter, someone I listen to a whole lot. Uh, and then I think Cody Miller is doing a very good job with his his vlogs. It's yeah, kinda, they're pretty interesting. They're pretty interesting yeah. because it is cool seeing like from his perspective, um, you know, what he feels about workouts, the way he feels when he goes through the workouts, and kind of just encouraging that they're supposed to hurt, but I'm still going fast, kind of. So I th- watching him has been pretty cool too, and then just talking to other coaches on deck too. I feel like that's one of the biggest ways I've learned. You know, in warm up when other coaches are swimming, putting their swimmers through paces and things like that, you know, just kind of like leaning over, like, oh, like, what are you trying to hold? Like, what are their goals? Like, what have you been doing? That kind of thing as well. All right. Were there any more formal kind of books or things like that that you uh, used, or it's been more? It's been more than that. I think you you gave me the um, it was the Brooks um, developing swimmers. Yes, that book. That one was, especially for coaching age group, that's been very helpful. In college, I have not, honest to God, I don't have a whole lot of time to read (laughs) anything but my school books right now. Um, But those have been like the couple main ones. And then I read the Bob Bowman book. That was kind of cool perspective. And then I actually, one of my favorite books, now that I'm thinking about it, was a book by Anson Dorrance, who's actually not even a swim coach. He's uh, the head soccer coach, head woman soccer coach at the University of North Carolina. And he's one of the most successful coaches in history period i think he's won like 20 some national championships has a world cup under his belt that's um, uh is that the man watching or something like that Does yes that sound? Yeah. yeah so that's one. he actually has two so that's one of them that one's actually my favorite um and he has you know a couple couple key phrases that i i will pull out um my favorite one is uh, life should be a never-ending ascension you know, you should never can never settle. You should always be trying to move to the next level, to the next goal, that kind of thing. And he has, I think he has like eleven or twelve like goal or 
not rules but like kind of things his team should follow and he makes them memorize them and like on bus trips and stuff he'll actually pull them up and like a freshman or something like you have to recite number seven and they have to recite the whole thing which I'm not sure I could do get my swimmers to do that but I just thought it was cool that he put so much pride into you know he's worked coach for so long and he put this together and he thinks it it, it clearly works he's wildly successful so that's kind of like my favorite non-swimming book that I've read yeah, well, but by all means, like I think uh, when I ask this, people tend to think I'm only asking for swimming books, but non-swimming books that, that relate, uh, I think are great. And I mean, being in education and going through that kind of thing to learning classroom management, it translates over to pool management, like being able to walk in and have no fear to be able to direct people right. in the correct, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much coaching is like teaching. It um, is, Yes. Um, all right, so still pretty young career, but do you have any what you call failure uh, stories? And, and what I mean by that is kind of a failure story that taught you a lesson, that uh, set foundation for some future better decisions or f- future success. Like all of my early <laughs> parent interactions with age group coaching? Yes. Uh, not like any major ones to stick out, but you know, every co- couple times I'd be like, oh, I should have said this or I should have worded that more correctly or I should have, you know, talked to the parents sooner, that kind of thing. And I think, as you mentioned, being young, a lot of times the respect level isn't there that they are like, you know, well, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's, you know, 20 something, yeah. that kind of thing. So I don't know what you're talking about. I think I've been old for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I mean, like, I, those kind of stick out. Luckily, not luckily, I, I interact a little bit less with parents now, um, but I have that. It's always in the back of my mind. I feel as though I fail in practice and writing workouts sometimes, and I think we all do that where we write a set where we thought it was going to go completely the other way. You're like, um, I'm going to tweak this for if I ever use this again. So, but again, like you said, still pretty young. None like real like I don't think I've screwed up too badly yet. So yeah, oh that that's good. <laughs> I, I think I screwed up a lot when I was young. <laughs> um, what would you say is the best career decision you made up to this point, or are the top three? Again, I think young career can probably narrow down closer than top three, but and and that's this could be again swimming related or even going further back so i like that he says top three i think i've only made three major decisions (laughs) in my coaching career so far uh again i think you know giving myself that year to instead of teaching trying to teach and coach just diving full head into coaching kind of made me realize the love i truly had for the sport so i think that was kind of like the biggest top decision i made that it worked out for me that i found something that i'm i'm excited to go to swim practice every day and i don't think everyone in the world can say they're excited to go to work every day you know I even though there's little hiccups over there I'm generally excited to see the swimmers to watch them walk on deck talk to them interact with them watch them perform workouts so that's pretty cool and then I think coming back to Edinburgh too kind of uh, having safety not a little bit because I knew Chris coming before I came back to I, I had already known him so I kind of knew what I was getting myself into but he's been so wonderful, kind of, you know, as soon as he realized that I knew a little bit of what I was talking about, he let me run with whatever I wanted to. He took my suggestions. You know, we talk about everything. Um, he doesn't make a decision without my input, which I thought was very cool. You know, he's been in 
he's been in this position, I think, for eight. This is his 18th year. So he doesn't need someone, you know, directing him or, like, putting input. But he wants to hear what I have to say. And I think that's something that's been very beneficial for me. And, you know, having that mentor with me has been, you know, I think will help me continue going on forward. It's actually really funny that, you know, as I said, he's got a couple of his former summers that are coaches. And they call him, they still call him regularly. It's kind of funny. Every time he picks up the phone, I'm like, oh, who is that? Is that, you know, Max or is that Darren? Because they're always calling him, asking him his advice too. So he's clearly a guy you keep coming back to. Okay. Willing to talk to you forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Nice to have that. Um, And and feel feel respected even though you're uh, you're in the assistant position uh, setup. If you... I guess keep saying you're in, but you're, you've been in full-time coaching now or at least close to full-time coaching for four years and coach for a little bit before that. So not quite to yourself, but what, what advice would you give to anybody, let's say, kind of in that position, thinking about, is this something I want to do? Is coaching something that I want to pursue? Uh, is there any advice that you would give? Yeah, I would say uh, make sure you love it because – there's not a lot of money and it is very time consuming and it's hard to have a social life outside of it in the middle of swim season. So I think, you know, I do think the pros way out outweigh the cons, but there is some considerations that if you do want to, you know, be able to, especially for club coaching, if you do want to be able to like go out on a Friday night at like, you know, eight or something, that it's probably not going to happen because either you're at practice or you have to get up the next morning to run uh, a morning practice. So just being, you know, completely aware of that. And like I said, I think the pros outweigh the cons. Um, And then also seeking mentors, like being willing to talk to people. I, I think my first year on deck in Georgia, I talked to just a couple coaches and they mostly approached me because I was so nervous. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Like, what are they, you know, they probably think I am the swimmer walking around on deck, <laughs> like coming in the coaches area. Um, but not being afraid to, you know, just strike up a conversation and be like, Oh, how's your swim season going? Like, are you doing anything cool? You know, that kind of thing. Like, this is what I'm doing. So being able to try and build those little relationships that turn into friendships because you're able to lean on them as well too. Right. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, but if you if you had to give a presentation or or say teach a college class, one of the two you can pick on any topic other than swimming, uh, what would that be? Uh, I think it would be something maybe in leadership. Uh, I think that's a really important life skill to have, and I feel as though, you know now with everything we have in our society all the technological advances that kind of thing where kids aren't necessarily asked to step up and do things because they're able to do it on a computer or they don't have to interact with other individuals um so being able to lead a group or have a voice and do it successfully and realize that you don't have to lead by being the loudest or the bossiest or anything like that i think that's something that really interests me i I like to see uh, like on our current team, I have kind of taken a mentorship of our captains and we have meetings at least once every two to three weeks. Just, you know, what do you guys think? Like, what are you doing? What do you think we could do better? That kind of thing and how they're doing leading their team. Cause we really kind of use it as, um, an ambassador role where we want our swimmers to go to their captains if they have an issue before they come to us, that kind of thing. So if their captains are able to kind of deal with the issue rather than 
having the coaches always step in, I think that's a great leadership skill to have. So it does have something a little bit to do with swimming, but I think that would be cool. And that's the first thing that popped in my head. So Okay. And do you have any any hobbies outside of swimming? No. I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I don't because I'm also in graduate school. So the time that I have outside of swimming is usually spent writing papers currently. Um, I do like to I, read. I, that's a great hobby. Yeah, it's not a hobby. <laughs> if I could quit it, I would. Um, I like to read a lot. Uh, I like to read books that don't have anything to do with swimming or, you know, that kind of like leadership or anything like that. I like the nonfiction. Loved Harry Potter growing up. Still kind of read it every once in a while. Um, just got done with this like 12 book series that my brother read. Um, so I like to read what, a lot. What series is that? Oh, I don't remember. I can look it up for you. I okay. don't remember the top I'm of my just, head. Just curious, yeah. It's a totally nerdy nonfiction or fiction book. Um, no, I can't remember it. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, how, or Broken Glass or something like that. Something. I'll look it up. You read 12 books and I don't remember the name of the series. <laughs> oh, I remember like the books. I don't remember the name of the series. Oh, okay. Like, okay. I could tell you all about it. Yeah. Um, and I read them on my iPad, which is the first time I've ever done that. I don't like reading on the iPad. I like to have have the actual book. The physical copy of the yeah. book. So I think that had, because I wasn't opening the cover every day. Yeah. So kind of I'm the same. I kind of think it's weird to, to read on. The, I mean, it's nice. It's super handy. It's handy. Yeah. It 100% is. And like, I understand why people do it, and it is a little bit cheaper than buying books. But at the same time, like, just think about having a library eventually when you're able to, like, put all, yeah. So that's yeah. what I think. It's like, eventually. Um, and I do have a dog. Lucas will laugh at this. Uh, I like to spend a lot of time with her. Um, she is my child. She's the sweetest dog you'll ever meet. Lucas doesn't actually believe that. She's very, it's very sweet, though. She is a sweet dog. She sometimes is too sweet. She's just jumping on, on, on you to show you how much she loves yes. you. Yes. <laughs> Lucas knew her when she was fr- real young. She's gotten better since until he showed back up. And then she's like, oh, I remember this guy. I can behave badly around she him. She had all the memories. Yes. All the, all the, the good, the perfectly bad behaviors. Uh, it's not, she, she's a great dog, though. Yes. She, she has all the tricks. Maybe you should uh, have a YouTube channel for, for all the tricks she does. She does. She is pretty intelligent. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, just having the dog is probably a hobby. Uh, it, it's kind of like a second job, too. Yeah. She has to get her walks. Her She loves the tennis ball, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. I, I like I like asking these questions just um, so that people kind of get a sense of what do swim coaches do outside of swimming because it is kind of like you said. It's easy to swimming be your entire life. Yes. And especially when you're on that many hours and, and then practices outside and, and all the all the busy work and admin work so i think i like talking about well what do what do swim coaches do we are actual humans yeah. we're not just we, we have some other interests believe it or not um do you have some sort of a routine do you have some something like your what your day looks like for yeah well i mean you went through it the last two days uh we my day starts my four out of the five weekdays start uh at five fifteen when i wake up for morning practice so I wake up, you know, do the usual, get up, brush my teeth, put my contacts in, that kind of thing. And the last couple of mornings, I had to wait for Lucas to wake up as well. Wait, 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 we had a set time to, to leave. I, I was not late one of those times, which is amazing. I'm usually yeah. late. Leaving <laughs> at 540 does not mean walking up the stairs at 539. <laughs> I was just, that was one minute for me to get from there to the door. <laughs> 
Yeah, so and I usually arrive at the pool around 5.40. Luckily, my head coach is very much a morning person. He's normally over there at 5.15, so I let him open it up so one of us can at least sleep since he's already going to be up. And then we have morning practice from five or 6 to 7.30, um, and depending on the day, we're either in the pool swimming or this morning we lifted and did a little bit of dry land. Um, then I usually do a little bit of busy work from 7.30 to 8, 8.30 in the office, and then I'll come back and I'll have my breakfast, uh, either try to get a workout in, or if I'm feeling tired or run down, I'll take a nap, which I haven't been doing lately, so that's pretty good. And then I usually go back over to the office to write workouts or check in on swimmers, check in on their classes, making sure they're doing the grades, that kind of stuff. This week, it's we have our first travel meet, so I'm doing a lot of travel manifest and that kind of administration work, which is the fun side of coaching. <laughs> and then our schedule is a little bit unique where we have two afternoon practices, uh, two to four, four to six, uh, and the swimmers just have to make one of them depending on their class schedule because we are a smaller university. They can't always schedule around one practice in the afternoon, so we try to make it easy for them. So I usually come back to the pool around 1, one fifteen, just so I can be there when they walk in, ask them how their classes are going, just interact with them, that kind of thing. And then at 6, I'm done for the day, which is pretty cool, which yeah. is a lot different than what I was doing down in Georgia. Yeah, a lot of, a lot different than club because most clubs are just, I mean. That's when they're getting that's started. That's when they're getting started a lot of times. Um, that's interesting because I've actually been asking this question, and I guess because most people don't have as much of a set practice schedule for every day. Some people have morning practice twice a week or three times a week versus four days a week, not a lot of coaches could give me a routine. I, th I think it's interesting that you kind of at least were able to nail down. I, I do. I And that's something I, like, when I first started, I couldn't get my head to wrap around. Like, when I was done at 6, I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. Normally, I still have, like, two to three hours to go. Um, but I do. I, I am a person that really likes routine, and same as my head coach. He actually is kind of a stickler for his schedule. It's kind of funny when we get off schedule. Um so I, I really enjoy having that set schedule, and I think it does help our swimmers a lot because they know what to expect when they're coming in, uh, and they're able to, you know, hit their classes, be able to make it to practice, and they're not trying to fit it in at, ten, you know, 8 o'clock at night. So I do work a second job mostly in the summer, and it kind of falls over to the fall time and in the spring as well. So some days, you know, I go from coaching to that second job, back to coaching, that kind of thing. So... When I'm doing that, it's a lot more. But right now, since I just have the coaching and the graduate school right now. So every once in a while, I'll throw in homework, too, in the afternoon. But it's mostly at night when I do that. So, Right. And you, you mentioned writing work. I, some of these questions I know the answer, but I think it's good to share and other people to uh, hear. Do you, um, are you a notepad person? Are you software? Are you spreadsheet? Are you template? Yeah, so I am a notepad notepad person lucas does know this about me because he tried really hard to switch me over to a computer software and i did so i would act, i would write it when i was coaching in georgia i would write it on a notepad first then i would type it so i was able to print it out for swimmers and then i'd put it into the software to watch for timing and then make any changes i needed to so i was like three step down there yeah um up here i he my head coach hands writes everything too so i was like oh this is perfect this is what i actually like to do um and i think 
I think I read an article about Bob Bowman. Bob Bowman loves to write it on paper. I think a lot of coaches uh, actually, from what I'm getting, like notepads and yeah. like, like to write it on paper. I've, I've heard it from a lot of people. I kind of like you mentioned, but I, I switched to software just because I used to overwrite. I used to write an hour 20 to an hour 15, an hour 45 to an hour 30 workout. So I, I, al I was always short on time at the end of the workout, and I felt like that was... It was bad planning on my end if I'm not being able to get. And usually the workout is kind of building up to the last part. And if I'm not getting to the last part, then. Uh, What's the point of yeah. doing that? So the rest? I think the so to me, the so using software kind of helped uh, at least make sure that I'm, that I'm good on time. It, it took all the, the guesswork. And I used to do the math for the timing of, of the sets and how long they take. But it's amazing how much I'm really not bad at math, but still oftentimes it, it was off well i think it's adding in the the breaks we take or the switching of equipment um i every once in a while now i will do the math if it's like a longer workout and i know i'm gonna be pressed for time i'll do it but i think coming from club to college they're so much quicker about going right into their next set right because it's not as much explaining um they kind of yeah, when, there's when, that too when you're working with that. When they're younger, they don't get it. Like, you have to take the time to be like, okay, like, this is what this means. Like, this is how we want it done. Whereas now they kind of know the expectations and you kind of just write it up and be like, go over the key points where, all right, let's really focus on our turns and our kickouts. You know, this is the paces you need to hold. And then it's like, go. And right. And then they go. So. Yeah. And do you, um, again, another question that I do know the answer, but do you ha write workers ahead of time for the whole week? Do you write just the next day? Do you, how do you uh, I, approach that? I, and again, it kind of falls in line with, you know, I probably would do it a little bit different if I wasn't under the direction of the head coach currently. Um, we write daily workouts. We, we have a plan. Like we know what each day is kind of going to entail. Um, like Monday's a little bit more endurance. Tuesday, we get our speed up a little bit. Wednesday's lactic acid. Thursday's a lot more drill, not necessarily beating them down because we usually have meets on Fridays. So we kind of, we have a general plan that we follow, but writing daily workouts just also kind of allows us to see how the week is going and allows us to adapt. If they are looking really run down, we're not going to, you know, throw a really hard lactic acid set at them or, you know, that Thursday we are going to kind of, you know, do our power acts and then really focus on our drill and our length and that kind of stuff. So we, that's how we plan. We plan, we write daily, but we kind of plan weekly and kind of have, you know, especially with our meet schedule, like, okay, well, this is, this is happening. Um, you know, we do have a mid-season taper meet that we taper for. So in November, we'll start our taper and run into that. So. All right. Next kind of set of questions here had to do with uh, more with hiring, which I, I don't think you, you've done a much, much hiring yourself. I've done no hiring but myself. But you've. You've done your fair share of going through the hiring process. So I guess the question would be what uh, – and I can I can actually in this case make it a little particular in terms of like you, you took a job with us. Uh, what was it on either the, the job announcement or the interview process that made you think that that was a good career choice for you? I think what really intrigued me about your guys' job posting, and I'm not saying this because I know Lucas is actually the one that wrote this, <laughs> is that you guys are looking for a young coach. You guys were looking for someone who is planning on being, you know, a career coach. You know, it wasn't a part-time thing for whoever you wanted to hire, and you wanted someone that wanted to learn. You know, that's something that really intrigued me. It's like, okay, well, 
you know, coming from where I was coming, here are finally some guy mentors that are going to, you know, help me along or teach me or help me learn things I don't know yet. So seeing that really, really kind of excited me. Um, and then, and whoever, if anyone's listening that is looking for jobs, always do your research on the club. I think that's a huge thing, or either college team too. I think that's a huge thing. So reading up about the club and kind of seeing their philosophy on your website and what you guys focus on was just fell in line with what I've already believed. So that kind of really drew me. And you guys called me back, so not everyone <laughs> does that. Um, that's pretty good. I think that's been uh, uh, going around the country topic that the hiring on the on the hiring side, a lot of people have, have said. Um, it hasn't it hasn't been all that easy, especially when you're kind of shooting in the dark, kind of just putting an ad out there. I think it's great that you said. I mean, if you're if you're looking for a job, do your do your legwork, do your research, look who you're who you're talking to ahead of time. I mean, because there are head coaches out there that aren't fun to coach under. I think I mean, I think we all can think of at least one in our head that would be like, "There's no way I would want to coach under him," or the things he they're doing at that club are not things I believe in. And I truly think you do have to not necessarily believe in everything the club you're working for is, but the large majority of it. Because they'll know, the swimmers will know, the parents will know if you're not believing what you're doing. And right. it's not good for anyone in that case. Yeah, I think because especially regardless of what you believe in, when you when you come into a program and you're being hired by somebody, you, you're, you're getting hired to run that program, not to run whatever you Not think. to be your own individual. Yeah. Um, so, so it does help if you if you have at least 80 percent plus of philosophy alignment. Um, is there anything in particular that, um, I guess, again going back to either we did well or that Chris here at Edinburgh did well in terms of uh, preparing you to to be a part of the staff, making sure that you are, uh, I call that onboarding process, that that first few days or first few weeks. Is there anything that you can think of that in, in either one of those those roles help you get into the role and feel feel one feel confident about about your ability to do the job to feel like you're mold, molding into the club or here into the into the program uh, fairly quickly? Is there anything you can can think about that? I think one thing that you guys did um, was kind of turn everything over to me. You know, coming in, I was kind of under the impression when I talked to. Hugh, who's the the head of the head coach of Gwinnett Aquatics, he was kind of like, you know, for the first month, I kind of will be right next to you, you know, writing the workouts. You're kind of, you know, just kind of there observing a little bit, and then we'll kind of thrust you in a little bit. And I think he did that for a week, and it was like, okay, I'm gonna leave, and yeah, kind of gave me ownership right away, um, which I think is very important. Like we said a little bit ago, you know believing in what you're doing and having ownership so you're taking pride in what you're doing is very important for coaches um and it's not always fun to kind of you know just read off a workout someone else wrote because you're not really invested in it so I think that's something that was very important and same with Chris when I came here you know I think a weekend he's like okay like you're gonna write the whole workout for today like go ahead you know and then he gave me ownership of the dryland I was completely in charge of that as well and just having, you know, you are hiring for hiring someone, or in this case, bringing a graduate assistant on for a reason. Like, you have to trust in what they're doing or else you shouldn't have hired them. All right. If you had unlimited, number to, or, uh, unlimited money 
to spend on your own, I guess, since you're not in charge of other people at this point. So if you have had unlimited funds uh, for professional development in particular, uh, where would you put that money? How you, how would you spend it? Can I say paying the coaches? <laughs> you certainly can. <laughs> Although, yeah, well, I'm sh- partially. You guys can't read the sheet, but we'll get there. Um, I think, you know, going to clinics is is great. I think, you know, talk or hearing the coaches talk at the like the ASCA clinic was very is very cool but I don't think it necessarily was like oh my god like I'm gonna go change my entire philosophy like it was just like oh like it's cool seeing Ray Luge up here talking to us that kind of thing like that was a cool idea maybe we'll try that um I think going to that women's conference I did in Colorado not like not necessarily for getting ideas but just being around like-minded people was very beneficial for me especially since they they kind of split us up in age so I was in a room with 20 20 something year olds so that was really cool and like I said we still keep in contact and you know are always supporting each other um so I think things like that where you're feeling like you're supported is very important and I think kind of like what you're doing just visiting individual clubs and just seeing how they're operating and running and you know just picking and choosing like, oh, I think that would work really well for what we're doing, you know, so giving uh, leeway for the coaches to go and do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll add that um, what I'm doing right now, I think it's great. It's been awesome. I don't know that I would recommend anybody be on the road for 45 days. <laughs> no, I was thinking like a week thing, not uh, three months or whatever you're at. Or yeah, two but, months. Um, but I agree. I think uh, just being able to see firsthand how programs operate, how coaches uh, uh, talk to their swimmers has been has been really really good. Uh, at some point in time, I have to. I've done this actually for the first half, and I have to do it again. Just sit down and kind of decompress everything that I've seen, because otherwise it's just too much. It's too much. It's yeah. too much. But and like even speaking with you, talking about you're like oh like seeing these clubs do this, I think we would be successful if we implemented it in our club. Right. So and I think it's same like with you know on the college level too. You know, what we're doing is working, but, like, what can we do that other teams are have already done that worked for them as well? And just, you know, kind of picking and choosing, I guess, and just trying to create the best environment for what you have. All right. And have you, have you recently made any changes to training philosophy or to training programs that you can think of or, or things that you added or took out that, that – uh, from your trainer has it been pretty standard it's been pretty standard since I've been up here I think I did a lot more messing around in Georgia um, I think I had a little bit more freedom to as well because we're kind of you know set in our schedule and I still have to follow what Chris is doing up here I can't really in terms like, of the general plan the general plan yeah like I can't you know he does listen to me and I think you know but I don't always want to be like everything you're doing is wrong, that kind of thing. So I think I'm a little bit limited in how I would change. I mean, I'm always adapting workouts. Like I, I think I mentioned earlier was, oh, I see a workout or we do something. Like right now I'm writing all the distance workouts. You know, I really like that. So we're going to like either tweak it or do it again. Or I didn't like that. So we're going to pull that out for next time. So. All right. Um, so we're kind of getting to this um this portion that you kind of alluded a couple times, and uh, which is at one point I, I talked about some of the dark side of coaching, the 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 issues with coaching, and 
I, I like to open this up with that the goal is not to gripe about coaching. I think as as you can hear up to this point and talking to everybody I talk to, there's uh, whoever's doing this and is in the, this profession uh, has a deep passion for it. But it doesn't mean that it's perfect and it doesn't mean that things couldn't get better. And I feel like talking about some of the issues maybe gets uh, helps m uh, improve things in the long term. So I don't know if there's any particular – you kind of mentioned the, the issue with the DAC hours and the social life, uh, alluded to the the salary uh, portion. So I don't know if there's any, any one area that you would like to uh, – Yeah, so and like as you said, like – we're clearly in this for a reason. Like, if we truly didn't like it, like, we needed to get out or, you know, for both of us, use our teaching degrees or something like that. Um, I think where I was before being in Georgia, the biggest issue for me being, you know, 20-something, like, still wanting to go out on a Friday night was the fact that I couldn't or I didn't have time to truly make a lot of non-coaching friends um, because I, I was, I was on deck and I worked and especially in the summer, it was seven days a week, you know, with, um, 20, 20 plus hour weekends that I was working. So th I think that had a big strain. And I think that's something that I've really loved moving to my position now, whereas we still have like long weekends, but I'm done at six o'clock every day, um, for the most part. And I think that has really helped, you know, cause I think it is important. I think we as coaches sometimes really remove ourselves from a social life, you know, because we are so committed, we are spending so many hours on deck that we don't recognize that we need to do this in order for our mental health moving forward, that it can't only be about swimming, that we have to have other things we do outside of swimming. So I think taking that time has been, it's been really good for me, I think, and just made me a little bit happier, I think. It's not necessarily, I mean, I love my time in Georgia, would 100% do it again, but I think this is also adding, you know, a different aspect to my life that I didn't have in Georgia. So I think that was like the biggest issue I had down there was just, I didn't have time for anything else because I was new and I, you know, was trying to be that workaholic that was on deck. You know, if someone needed to come in on Sunday, I was coming in on Sunday with them. Um, that kind of thing. So, and, and like I said, you know, a little bit ago, this, I mean, salary is hard too, especially when you're young. For me, I was moving to a completely new city, trying to support myself on my own. And it wasn't a large salary, like I. Yeah, I think I mean it's kind of weird to talk about because it was with our program, but yeah, what it's, the heck, it's, Lucas? It's it's well within the market. If anything, it's better than a lot and of starting not, yeah. positions we're paying. And it's not you guys. It is. It's like the um, the entirety of the market where you know you guys wanted you want someone to stay in that position for a little bit. But at some point, it's like, well, I can't stay in this if this is what I'm making. Like yeah. I need to move up or move on, kind of thing. Yeah, and I I think. Going back to uh, kind of that balance between the passion to the profession and and what this means, uh, I've heard people say and state what I think is correctly. Just because we love what we do, it doesn't mean that it can't be a profession. And if it's going to be a profession, I think we have to kind of figure ways, figure out ways to pay people professionally, which uh, doesn't happen in many many places. I think in swimming, not it's uh, starting starting salaries are. are fairly low and and not a lot of people make to the to the higher salaries uh, i don't know what the what the solution is i, but I know we keep talking about these problems but yeah. like who are we gotta who are we to say but people aren't thinking about solutions but um i do think and you it's hard to hear sometimes when you know a coach you see or you respect or you admire actually gets out of the profession simply for the fact that they didn't make enough money to support their family 
or they have to pick up two to three extra jobs to support the family. In that case, again, it goes back to, okay, now you don't have any other time to have a social life or be with your family or, you know, for me, walk my dog or that kind of thing. So, and I think it is important to recognize. Right. And and so I guess it, it comes down to the, um, the question I, I'm also asking is, uh, would you have any advice for, for people trying to, uh, either minimize those issues or, or try to deal with that? I think some of those, I think especially the hours is, is kind of a hard one. It, it is something that. I mean, you sign up for it, like you know, yeah. especially in club coaching, like it, it's not like you, you can get the kids in the, on back around. at two o'clock anyway. Yeah. So you can't get around it. Yeah, I think. Um, I think one thing I would suggest is just make it so like maybe. You know, if you have a big enough staff where, you know, you get a Friday off every every month or something like that, where, you know, you're not expected to work every single, you know, Friday or you're supposed to, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just in setting it up so they're able to, you know, go and do something. Or, right. I think a lot of people uh, and and me, uh, I'm one in particular that I I hear that and I think it's a great idea, but then. The other side of my mind is like, well, how can I tell my athletes that they got to be here if I'm not going to be here like even one day of the month? And I and I do think that, and I think um, I actually read an article about Greg Meehan. Uh, he takes he yeah, takes I, one day off a week to go golf, you know, and he's not with his his swimmers because right. I mean they have to recognize we are putting in more hours than they are. Like, you know, we do expect our athletes to be there, but they're not going to show up. They do have other things to do, and they you know especially at age group. Like they are going to their band concert and that kind of stuff, and I we say it's important for them to go do that, as well. Um, and I think it is important to recognize that mental health and coaching is a big thing. So when I read that, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, he's not, <laughs> he's not a workaholic like all. I mean, I'm sure he still is, right? But I think he recognized that this isn't a life he can sustain. For yeah, you know. I think and and I'm always impressed. I think during this kind of uh, long trip, I actually met some coaches that do sustain that, but I'm always impressed and I'm, and I'm, I'm so impressed when they do that. Yeah. I always want like how, but it is something it's like, it's, it's maybe it's okay in your twenties. Is it going to be okay, okay in your thirties and forties and fifties? So if it's like, at what point do you have to make some changes uh, to, yeah. so that, that coaching doesn't completely take away from your lifestyle that you also want to have. And I, and like you said, because I, I feel the same way too. Like, you know, we are asking our athletes to show up every day. So if we take one Friday off, like, or, but we're not, like, that is okay for us to do. And it's okay if they need a mental break to take a Friday off or something like that. I think it's important to recognize that side of it as well. All right. Um, if you could pick three skills or qualities and this can be swimming related or not swimming related that you would have you would like all the athletes that go through your program to have by the time they're done what would those be so i I wrote three down but you could probably ask me tomorrow and they might change a little bit Uh, i think one thing i hear myself say a lot is is hard work you know being successful through hard work is something that we we talk about a lot Um, we had I'll pick on him because I've known him forever. We had one summer, you know, he's been in the program for, this is his his senior year, so he's been in the program for three years. And I also coached him in high school. So I've known him for a very long time. Um, You know, last year I came in and he would would hold back in workouts 
a lot where, you know, he's like, well, we have a meet tomorrow, so I'm not going to go fast on this. Like, I'm going to, you know, or we have, you know, something fast later on in the workout, so I'm not going to go fast right now. Where, you know, and I was in his ear every single day, like, this is not how you're going to get better. Like, this is not how it's going to work. You need to go fast and, you know, put out as much as you can. And if you fail, you fail, but you come back the next day and try to get a little bit better. Um, And then this year he comes in, I think, because he didn't have a very successful conference meet. And he spent with me all summer as well that he recognized, okay, well, maybe if we – we're going to try it this way. And he's been swimming, you know, out of his mind. He's gone his fastest in-season times at his first meet. He's throwing down ridiculous times in practice, that kind of thing. And I think he's finally recognized that you you can work hard and still go fast in a meet, that you don't have to taper yourself or you don't have to hold back. And I think that's also – we want that in school too, that, you know, we really want – we really take pride in the fact that our GPA for, especially for the women are always at the top of the conference. You know, we've won the national award a couple of times. We've had swimmers win the top GPA in our conference several times. So we take pride in that, that they're able to go fast. They're able to be top students and still be successful. So I think working hard is something that we really try to instill in our program. And I think the ability to work together, uh, especially coming from a club team, um, I think high school is a little bit different. They're so used to being individuals, you know, like worry about myself, worry about this, where they're coming in now they're part of a team. You know, these same expectations are for everyone, and we want to win meets. You know, you might not be swimming your favorite event every time we get in the pool because we need to put you where you need to go in order to win this meet or for the team to be successful. So I think that and the fact that they need each other. I think a lot of times, especially in college recruiting, that sometimes – you know, when we're recruiting someone who swims maybe the same event as a swimmer we already have, they're like, oh, crap, are they replacing me? Whereas, you know, we really talked this past year about we're bringing these people in so everyone can get faster. You know, we want you to race each other in practice. We want you to push each other. And so that's going to bring up the level of competition. In practice, we're going to be able to swim faster and meet. So I think that's something there that's really important is, you know, the ability to be together and work with all different kinds of people. And I think that's a skill they can take into their work life because they're not going to like everyone they work with. Right. Yeah. You know, I didn't like everyone I worked. I'm just kidding. <laughs> One person in particular One sitting person, across from me. He has an accent. <laughs> um, and then I think the last thing I think I already spoke about this is uh, time management. It's especially where we're at being a college coach. They have a lot going on. You know, they're expected to make two practices a day. They're expected to make it to their classes, For some individuals, they have study tables where they have to go to twice a week. You know, if they have any extracurriculars outside of it, you know, um, if they're in a frat or they're in some kind of other club, they have to worry about that. We have our own kind of fundraising, you know, things we expect them at, which add on to it. So being able to manage their time and still get the grades they're supposed to get, you know, because this isn't forever. You know, swimming is going to be just until they graduate for the most part. Um, So... They need to get the grades. They need to learn what they need to learn in school because that's what they're ultimately here for. So recognizing that and allowing them to manage their time because this will help them in the future as well. So I think if I had to pick three at this moment, those were the three. All right. Um, so this is, I guess, effectively the, the last real question I ask. And again, this can be as broad as as possible. It's, it's broad for a, for a reason. So... What what is the most important thing people should know about you? That's like the hardest question you asked me, I think. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. I really want to be known as someone that cares. You know, I want the athletes to know I care about them. I think that was the best advice I ever got is they're not going to care until they know you care. And I think that's something that is so, so true. So I make it a point, um, like I spoke, I make it a point to be there early, especially for their afternoon practice. They don't really like to talk to me in the mornings. <laughs> uh, you know, as they're walking in or as they're coming up on deck, to ask them about their day, to ask them about their classes, you know, their family, their pets. Love talking about their pets with them because they always get so excited. Uh, and I think that's some of the best advice I got for recruiting as well was the first thing you ask them shouldn't be like, what are your times or what do you swim? It should be, what do you want to do in the future? Like, what are you looking, what's your favorite thing to do outside of swimming? You know, get to know them as a person. Because especially I think in D1, sometimes in D2 and D3, we're just like, all right, well, we need this person because he goes this fast. You know, we want to recruit good individuals, good people, as well as fast swimmers. So and that goes back to caring about the the whole individual, not just the swimming part of the individual. So, and you know, I want to see them be successful in life. I want to see them be happy. I want them, you know, to continue forward and be proud. We talk to our upperclassmen a lot about what legacy they want to leave behind. And it's not necessarily the record board. What do you want to be, what, what do you want your class to be remembered for? You know, the fact that you guys included everyone, the fact that you're good people, the fact that you showed up when you were supposed to. That's what we care about more about the, than the record board. Don't get me wrong. The records are nice. but Fast swimming is fun. Fast swimming is fun. Yeah. But at the end of the day, being good people is more important than that. Yeah. I, I think you mentioned something there that I think is uh, the, the, it's the old saying, the, they, don't, they don't care they don't how much care. you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. Which a lot of people probably heard so many times a day. Ah, whatever. It's too now. But that, that, that's, that is so true. And I think once, you, once that clicks with you, uh, it's, it's a completely different level that you can work with the swimmers i think the freshmen this year were a little bit surprised that i spent the first two to three weeks not correcting anything in their stroke but just asking them questions about themselves because like i know as a swimmer i hated when a coach came in who had no idea who i was and was like oh well you're doing that wrong what's well, like okay well you've well you've watched me for an hour like back off like we'll talk about it later so yeah. i think it's important to like build relationships before that and it goes back to just they they know i care and i i mean i hope they know i care um you know, and I think it is evident because they, they want to come talk to me about other things as well. So, yeah, I think that's the most important. I know that might be a little bit cheesy, but no, uh, absolutely. I think it's a uh, right on. Absolutely, it is cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Okay. Um. So, first of all, thanks again for uh, hospitality over here. Thanks again for taking the time. Uh, would you have any? closing thoughts do you i don't know if you want to if people want to get in touch with you ways to I, I don't think you're a very much of a social media person but if people want to follow you not a very much of a social media person yeah. um they're more than welcome to follow me uh you can link all my stuff i think uh yeah if you, yeah or is no one ever said that to you do you know how to link <laughs> uh no i do know how to link yes i have i have a basic understanding uh, of the internet <laughs> i mean the best way would be probably my email i think i check that's the one that goes right to my phone so it's k-e-l-s-r-g-n at gmail.com that's the one i check every day not necessarily answer emails every day that's something lucas used to get mad at me about i wasn't very good at answering emails um 
So I think that's the best way. I mean, I love talking to other coaches. I think it's so much fun because, you know, there's not a lot of us, I think. I mean, there are a lot of us, but, like, we're They're spread out. Kind of, out, yeah. yeah. You're kind of on an island by yourself um, in your department, especially in coaching. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's the best way. Like I said, more than welcome to follow me. It's Craig's 10 and on Instagram and in Twitter. I haven't tweeted in four years, but. <laughs> not much there, then. There's not much there. Yeah. And any closing thoughts? Any Anything else? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, once again, thank you, and uh, good luck uh, the rest of the season. Thank you very much. We're very excited. Lucas got to watch our first win uh, on Friday, so that was very exciting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, first uh, win b- both on the, on the men's and women's side. Both yeah. men's and women's. I think it's the first time in 10 years we've won the first meet for both. All right. So, yeah, keep it up. Yes, go in the right direction. And that was it for another episode of the Swim Coach in Transit podcast. As always, thanks for listening. And if you made it to the end, I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy this, please take a few seconds to give this podcast five stars or a positive review on whatever podcast player you use. And if you like to hear more shows like this, go ahead and subscribe. And thanks again to Kelsey for a great time in Pennsylvania and upstate New York. Great fall weather while I was there, by the way. And of course, especially for agreeing to sit down for this interview. And good luck to her and the Fighting Scots at D2 Nationals in a couple weeks. Remember to check out the show notes on my blog, swimcoachintransit.com. That's swimcoachintransit, all spelled out together in lowercase with no dashes or special characters. There, you can always find links to books, websites, and all other resources we talked about that I could link to as well as notes on the club visits I did while traveling and recording this podcast. And thanks again to my good friend Madhu for the soundtrack to this podcast. You can also find his Instagram info in the show notes. And also thanks to Zapsled for the sound effects. And that's it. Thanks again, and I hope you catch the next one.